The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along for the ride. And the same goes for our producer, Eric Ryder. He makes sure we stay in our lane. Today, oh my goodness, in Hollywood, California, Tinseltown, the Hollywood Museum houses the most extensive collection of Hollywood memorabilia in the world, featuring the glamour of Hollywood legends and stars, those past, present, and still in the making. All of it is offered to visitors from the history of American motion pictures and television. The museum is housed in the historic Max Factor building on Highland Avenue. That steps away from the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and it was designed by American architect Simeon Charles Lee. Today, we are going to have the great pleasure of talking to the founder and president of the Hollywood Museum, Danelle Dadigan. She has so much to say about her labor of love, so much that we can learn as we plan a trip to that wonderful location at the heart of Hollywood culture. This is American Road Trip Talk. The interview is coming right up. Stay with us. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertdrops.com. Very important. Go to alertdrops.com and stay safe. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Trip Talk and an opportunity for us to go to Hollywood in our imaginations, radio theater of the mind and soon to be a podcast. Let's just say the very least you need to know about our guest today, Danelle Dadigan, is that she is an actress known for YouTube Assassin back in 2010, Mysteries at the Museum also in 2010, and Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham, that's from 2018, and most important to those who treasure the legacy of Hollywood, both movies and television, Danelle Dadigan is founder and president of the Hollywood Museum. She joins us right now on Zoom. Danelle, we're so delighted to speak with you today. Well, I'm thrilled to be here with you and your viewers. How exciting. And everyone on the radio, how fun. The fun starts when you walk through those doors. I'm quite sure, Danelle, it seems like, and I'm just, you know, I'm sort of begging the question here. It must be a labor of love for you. But beyond that, it seems to me that with the Hollywood Museum, you appear to have fulfilled a dream or an idea that celebrating the legacy of Hollywood with all of the memorabilia, over 11,000 pieces, as I understand, is a more elegant statement about the nature of an industry which is celebrated all over town already. 
but something in you must have said it can be done bigger and it can be done better. Well, I so appreciate your kind words, Gary. You know, the Hollywood Museum is a labor of love. And it was uh, an idea that came to my mother and myself several decades ago. And we planned and we tried to figure out what was the best thing to do. Because I realized uh, being an ex-school teacher and in the real estate business, how many people wanted to move from other places and they all wanted to settle in Hollywood because they thought that they would see movie stars and TV show stars, you know, on every street corner as they crossed the street. And the, they wanted to find a place where they could learn more about this or see the famous costumes or, or learn the stories about these great entertainers and how a lot of the movies and TV shows came to pass. But, you know, sadly, there was nothing. And uh, But, you know, there have been many attempts at this, and we thought, well, being an ex-school teacher, why not? Because everyone wants to know what were the humble beginnings of Hollywood? How did it get started? And, and what is it like today? And so with that real estate background that I have, uh, we thought we would come and save a wonderful old building, such as the Max Factor Makeup Studio, which is where all the movie stars came and got their looks from once upon a time. So we've had a lot of fun creating this museum and giving locals and professionals and visitors to our community alike the opportunity to learn about Hollywood's past and present. And as you said before, you know, all of the young stars in the making. Yes. And, and you know, there's a part of me that hopes I, I live to see a lot of them come to full flower. There, there's there's a lot of talent out in Hollywood. You mentioned humble beginnings. It may have begun that way, but humble in Hollywood don't typically show up in the same sentence. And that's OK. There's a lot of star power there to be reckoned with. That is for sure. When it comes to and I guess I should mention this by way of reassuring people that they can go and visit you. COVID-19 hit you folks pretty hard, as it did a lot of people across the country, but you have reopened. We certainly have. And, you know, we use this time, Gary, to uh, update our exhibits, but equally uh, update security and sanitation and health elements uh, that we learned about through COVID. So now our HVAC system, HVAC system has been updated. We now have the quality uh, uh, that it's same that is same used the I'm sorry the filters that are been used for uh, hospitals and for schools and additionally we've installed UV ultraviolet that blue light that helps kills the germs and so we're proud to say that you know whether it's the allergens from a bad allergy season or from flu germs or any type of germs that they're including COVID-19 uh, when we purchased this equipment, they told us it was 99.9% germ-free. So they would kill the germs that possibly could be in the air. And of course, one has to wear a mask when one enters. And I think in November, things are going to change in California, where you probably have to show your vaccine card, which it's all good because it keeps everyone safe. And I think everyone would like that. you know. And for our special events with all of our celebrities coming, that's the necessary thing. But you know what? They're also used to it because of Screen Actors Guild, SAG-AFTRA. That's what's necessary always with their activities and their film shoots. That is very reassuring. Donnell, let me ask you now, when we talk about October, okay, 
This is October 8 as we broadcast live from a radio station in Seattle. And almost immediately, it magically turns into a podcast and it's thrown to the four winds. When we talk about October, this Halloween season, what did you folks come up with that's appropriately scary for people wanting to have that thrill this time of year? Wow, great question, Gary. <laughs> great question. Well, first of all, I have to tell you, I am someone who is frightened at the simplest things. But for Halloween this year, it turns out that it is the 30th anniversary this year for Silence of the Lambs. And, you know, the entire franchise of Dr. Hannibal Lecter. So we have the original jail cells that were used in Silence of the Lambs and brought out again for Red Dragon. And I'm thrilled to tell you that uh, the producer, uh, Dino and Martha De Laurentiis, uh, they had something very special for us. And, you know, I didn't know what to say when they told me it was the original jail cell in the jail cell corridor used in the film with Hannibal Lecter's jail cell there with the plexiglass front and the air holes, uh, including the chair that Dr. Clarice Starling, Jodie Foster sat in. You know, I have to tell you, part of me was like, oh, wow, that's fabulous. But at the same time, I was scared, scared, scared beyond belief. But, you know, there are so many horror genre fans out there. Uh, so it was something that we couldn't pass up. And now you can come visit that. And it's completely equipped like it once was. Uh, Hannibal Lecter's jail cell includes the artwork that he drew during his incarceration, his jumpsuit that he wore uh, in jail, including his mask. In fact, the two different masks, one from Silence of the Lambs and the other one from the Red Dragon. And, you know, we've had a blast with this because there's all the jail cells leading up to the jail cell. And then, of course, we've got great, great costumes from, you know, the Dracula and Frankenstein movies, as well as Underworld, Van Helsing, uh, True Blood, Chucky and His Bride, you know, the <laughs> Friday the 13th, Jason and Freddy, uh, all of them. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I know that, you know, it's all from the films and the television shows, but you know what? I still get frightened from it. That means you're doing your job. You know, what scares you? Hey, let's go with this. <laughs> well, and you know, an additional uh, thing is that they're all uh, actual real, you know, they're the actual costumes that were worn. Nothing was created just for this experience at the museum. This has all been brought from the television show sets, the movie sets, and all the costumes and the props, they're all original. Thank goodness they are preserved. That's what it is to respect the traditions of Hollywood. I'm so glad to hear about that. Danelle, let me ask you about more permanent exhibits. It's great that you, you know, you bring things in. Okay, it's Halloween time. Hannibal Lecter, I get it. I think a lot of people will go hoping that when they the doors swing open and the visitors come in, that they're going to have an encounter in some form or fashion with Marilyn Monroe, for example. You have a beautiful exhibit dedicated to that fine lady. Well, you know, Marilyn is very special to actually three and four generations. And, uh, you know, she was raised here in Los Angeles, in Hollywood. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. I don't think uh, many of the listeners recognize that, you know, she sadly only lived 36 years. And in those 36 years, she lived in 43 different locations. 
So she was always on the move. But the one thing that she would have talked about uh, and is wonderful is Max Factor, because Max Factor gave her her looks. You know, she was born to blonde. And like most natural blondes, you know, uh, as they got into their teen years, their hair turned darker. But it was Max Factor who gave her that signature blonde look. And we celebrate her in our Blondes Only room, as well as always having on display several key, key costumes and personal dresses of Marilyn's, including her honeymoon dress that she wore with her new husband, Joe DiMaggio. And she actually chose to wear that dress when she entertained the troops at the USO shows in Korea. I always wonder these wonderful Hollywood legends who passed away too young by our common reckoning. Marilyn Monroe dead at 36. Gene Harlow died at 26. And, and suddenly, too, I mean, she went to the hospital, but I don't think anybody expected that she was going to be deceased there at the age of 26, the earliest bombshell in Hollywood history, as I'm told. When we celebrate these people, we do it in ways in which, yes, we, we have the movies, but we also have the memorabilia that lets us feel like we're making a personal connection. So I'm so curious when when people go through those doors and they see it, do you have rotating exhibits or are there things that you absolutely can count on? Like I went to Epcot last week and Spaceship Earth is going to be Spaceship Earth, God's golf ball, as a friend of mine calls it. And that's going to be there. But at the Hollywood Museum, what are the things and who are the people who are right up front no matter when you go year round? Oh, well, you know. It's uh, the story of Max Factor with all the great movie stars from Hollywood's golden age, golden era. Of course, Marilyn Monroe. You know, we even have a fabulous exhibit of Jean Harlow. And interestingly enough, Marilyn Monroe and Jean Harlow are linked because when Marilyn was a little girl, her aunt would take her to the movies every so often. And she would say that my aunt always loved to see Jean Harlow movies. Why? Well, Jean Harlow was this beautiful woman and men loved to come and help her. And the women liked her so much because she was natural and she was real. And she was smart talking or she talked back and there was a smile on her face all the time. Even when she was serious, she somehow got some crack in that made you want to kind of laugh to it. And Marilyn grew up thinking that Jean Harlow was just the, the cat's meow, the terminology that was used in her time. And when Marilyn came to the Max Factor building and spoke with Max Factor, uh, she told him, well, you know, my favorite actress was Jean Harlow. And he asked, why? Why Jean Harlow? And she gave the story about her aunt. And so he asked her what her natural hair color was. And she said blonde. And of course, he could figure that out from the hues in her complexion. So he said, I'll tell you what, I have a new hair color. It's an updated version of Jean Harlow's platinum blonde. And it was Jean Harlow who introduced Platinum Blonde through Max Factor in the same Blondes Only room from the 1930s. And interestingly enough, Jean Harlow was born a blonde, but she was one of the few that remained a blonde. But it was Max Factor who heightened her blondeness to that new color, Platinum Blonde. And here, you know, a generation later with Marilyn Monroe, he did the same thing, but updated the color. So the two are forever linked through the Blondes Only Room in the Max Factor Building and the story of Marilyn as a child idolizing Jean Harlow because her aunt loved to take her to those movies. 
I can see why you founded a museum. That was just a beautiful encapsulation of an important piece of Hollywood history in two ways, the connection between Marilyn Monroe and Jean Harlow, but also twice you said the blondes only room. So is this actually real that, that Max Factor segmented hair colors in different spaces of his factory called Max Factor and his factory, but within that building, is that how he decided to lay out his business? Well, you know, You've touched something really interesting, Gary, and most people don't catch that. But you did catch that fact. He has these world-famous makeup rooms, and the world-famous makeup rooms are not about the color of the skin complexion or the hue of the color of your skin. It was about your hair color. It was about what hair color was the movie or the TV show going to call out that you had to have. So if he had to change you from a brunette to a blonde, because that's what the new character called out for you, he would do so. Then he would take you into these world famous makeup rooms with your new hair color. And he'd pick out where you're going to go in the blondes only room or the redheads only room where Lucille Ball got her signature color red hair that we know her as, or the brunettes or the brownettes only room. And that's how he would decide then how your complexion had to be, because how many times well, maybe you don't care, Gary, but we women, we always look to find a color of clothing uh, or an accessory that looks good with us. So when we were younger, many times our mother may have said, don't wear that color. It doesn't look good on you. And that had to do with your natural tone of your skin. So it was up to Max Factor to change all that where it all looked good in the surroundings of these world famous makeup rooms. So when he knew that you walked out on stage if you were a brunette, you looked like you were a natural brunette. If you were a blonde, you looked like a natural blonde. It had nothing to do with your original skin color. It had to do with the color of your hair for that film or for that television show. That too explains so much. With all the exhibits you have, over 11,000 pieces of memorabilia, my goodness, the scope of it is more than impressive. It's amazing. I heard that you had a wonderful exhibit. Maybe it's still up for Back to the Future fans. Yes, yes. You know, we're thrilled about that. Back to the Future with the DeLorean time machines. One of those time machines was appeared in the first movie as in the second. And then we have the time machine that was in the final uh, film uh, from Western Town. Uh, very exciting. You know, uh, I have to take my hat off to Bob Gale. And for all of your listeners, let me tell you, Bob Gale was the co-creator, the co-writer, and the co-producer of the Back to the Future franchise, all three films. And it was Bob Gale who came to the museum, visited us. I told him my idea, and he said, I think it's a good one, and I'm in. In fact, I'm all in. We even have his personal memorabilia, his personal notes. I mean, back then, you know, in the 80s, he actually wrote it in pencil on yellow legal tab, uh, legal files. Mm -hmm. And he even had the typewriter that he used to punch out the first draft of his first script. I mean, so much fun. And then he connected us to the world wide web of collectors, the best, the most important collectors of Back to the Future memorabilia in the world. And they all came to participate. So I have to always say thank you to Bob Gale. Uh, he is a wonderful human being, a very great, great creative mind.
but he has a heart and we thank him so much for that because we have gotten several generations of visitors who have come to see the exhibit, whether it's that they saw the first movie in the 80s or whether in the 90s they bought a toy, which are called collectibles now in a, in a toy store. Uh, but they all have something to come and chit chat about. And that's the fun of it from the different experiences of that Back to the Future trilogy exhibit. Let's turn to TV for a moment because uh, I grew up there. Uh, my mornings, part of them were spent watching Captain Kangaroo, <laughs> speaking of generations. And we look at TV culture. I was actually born on the day that Lassie premiered that night on network television. So oh somebody I read one time, you know, are you part of the Lassie generation? By definition, yes, I definitely joined that generation. When it comes to Lassie, when it comes to all these wonderful TV shows, the Westerns, the, all of the sitcoms, even the game shows, how did you decide strategically in order to honor all that you could, how did you lay out the TV parts of your exhibit? Seems like there's so much ground to cover. There is. And when you talk about, so what exhibits remain and what change? So we change our exhibits on a pretty regular basis. In fact, locals come to our museum three and four times a year because I know when they come to the museum, they're always going to find a new exhibit. And in an ongoing exhibit, they may see something that they didn't see the first time out. So uh, talking about last, you know, I was just talking with John Provost's wife, uh, Lauren Jacobs, and I have to tell you that it's so much fun because a mutual friend of ours in San Francisco just said, well, when COVID calms down, let's all get together. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, you know, uh, Timmy is going to be there, you know? And, you know, it's, it's so much fun because yes, you know, uh, these individuals, we grew up with them. We saw them uh, in the original series and then in reruns. And you never think that they grow up, but they do, just like with Bewitched, with Erin Murphy, who played little Tabitha in the original Bewitched, where she would use her finger to move her nose uh, and, and create uh, the, the witchcraft that took place with her character. And now she's fully grown, you know, she's a mother of six sons, and she comes to the museum on a regular basis, and what stories they have to share. And you know, you mentioned Anson Williams. Anson is a great friend of the museum, as are several of the members of his Happy Days family. And it's so much fun to watch and learn about what these stars continue to do today and what new enterprise they have gotten involved with. That's right. And a lot, oh my goodness, you could take up a whole wing, for example, if you had a Betty White exhibit. That would take some doing. <laughs> you know, so true, so true. And we love Betty White. And, you know, I have to tell you, um, uh, one of the questions that uh, she wanted to see, the I Dream of Jeannie bottle. And thanks to, you know, uh, Barbara Eden, I Dream of Jeannie. We had her costume in the museum for some time, and we still have her Jeannie bottle, which is very fun. And, you know, so impressive because, yes, there are several different Jeannie bottles that were used during the years. But many people did not remember that I Dream of Genie first came out in black and white. So the first I Dream of Genie bottle, uh, which was from a Jack Daniels whiskey bottle originally, mm. that was repainted over, uh, was painted in special colors so that it would appear a certain way 
in the black and white film. But then when they reintroduced the show halfway through the first season in color, they had to change the whole color palette, including the color of the genie bottles. You have to have that eye for detail in the movie and TV business. I mean, I've heard of expensive items having to be either discarded or altered in some way in order to fit that look, a complexion of the movie or the TV show, if you will. Oh, absolutely. You know, and taking it back to day one, when three strip technicolor film was invented in the mid thirties, all of a sudden, all the movie stars who had their makeup done uh, and it went from black to white to all the different shades of gray in between. Now that wasn't good enough. Now it had to become realistic, which is why Max Factor's world famous makeup rooms were now in color. So those colors for the blondes only room, it was just light blue and a medium blue tone. For the redheads only room, it was two-tone green. For the brunettes only room, it was two-tone pink. And for the brownettes only room, it was beige and a peach color with a bit of gold in it. Now all these colors played a very important role to make sure that the stars looked realistic with their new uh, hair dyed colors, as well as if the colors of their costumes uh, brought out the colors of their complexion and their hair in a positive and beautiful way. And if you look real careful, whether it's in TV or film, sometimes when you know the secret of the colors, uh, you can see why they put certain colors in the background, whether it's in a piece of furniture or flowers or drapery, just to help punch out the colors of the stars in the scenes. This is why it's such an exquisite art and science, the making of movies and TV programs. I am thrilled that we got the chance to talk to you, Danelle. I hope that we will meet sometime when I visit the museum, and we'd love to have you back to discuss new exhibits and the ongoing evolution of the wonderful place, the Hollywood Museum that you founded and you still serve as president. Please give everyone the website so they can go make plans to visit. So very easy. It's www.thehollywoodmuseum.com. All one word. Thank you. And thank I had you fun so today much. with you. Oh, good. We'll do it again. I absolutely love this. I felt like we've just skimmed the surface, but in a half hour radio show and podcast, that, that's what happens. So we'll do another half hour sometime soon. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye, Gary. Bye-bye now. Danelle Don Dadigan, everyone. Danelle Dadigan, remember that name. She is doing great things in Hollywood. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.